But we're in Jude. Jude was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. They shared the same mother, but obviously had different fathers. James, the one who wrote the book of James, we believe also was a half-brother of Jesus. But they both refer to themselves not as the brother of Jesus, but as his servant. Jesus, the servant of Christ. Or Jude, the servant of Christ. I thank the Lord for this great book of the Bible. And, and uh, we find that uh, we believe in history books that Jude died as a martyr. And he said this as he died. He was asked to renounce his faith in his uh, Savior, Jesus Christ, and actually his half-brother who he figured out. While on earth, he probably struggled a little bit with his faith in that. But after he went back to heaven or in the later time of Jesus' ministry, uh, Jude bought in and God used him. And he said this, as this recorded, Jesus has not denounced me in my life. I will not denounce him in my death. And I thought that was a great testimony to hear about that. There's a lot of things. He references several Jewish books, the book of Enoch and another book from the Law of Moses that I think are not included in our Holy Script. They're books that were written. I know uh, that there are many good books throughout uh, uh, my life that I've enjoyed reading and things of that nature who are not necessarily inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. But Jude will recognize and reference several of them looks like in his writing, because they're not familiar to us. As we hear some of these stories, we're saying, where is that in the Bible? It's not in the Bible, but it is recorded in other writings. And I think it's very applicable here. He's definitely speaking to a Jewish audience. He's talking to Jewish folks who have come to know Christ their Savior. But what a great book of the Bible. It's power-packed. I mean, you're going to find it in the first few verses and especially at the end. I really uh, kind of had to pull back not to go to the end of the chapter and the end of the book because it is ready to go. We'll look at that next week, Lord willing. Here we go. Look at number, number one, verse number one of Jude. The Bible says Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. And of course, these are two brothers that had Jesus as their half brother. To them that are sanctified by God, the father preserved in Jesus Christ and called. You know, he's talking to you. He's talking to you if you're saved. You know, there's just two groups of people, people that are saved and people that are lost. People that are on their way to heaven, people are on the way to hell. People that are in their sin are people that are in God's Son. People that have accepted the gift of eternal life and people who have yet not yet done so. Well, the book of the Bible of Jude is written to those who have already been saved. He gives them three different challenges. Number one, he says, I'm going to write this book to you. You know my brother James. He wrote the book of James, and I'm his brother, and we're the brother of Jesus, but we're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm writing this book to those who are sanctified in the Lord. I like that word sanctified. You should like that word sanctified. It means to be clean, made clean, and set apart means you're different than others. Uh, in our sink tonight, no doubt, after we, uh, we eat a meal at home, Linda will sanctify our dishes. She will clean them with soap. She'll scrub them down, and she will uh, dry them and put them away. They have been sanctified. They have been clean and set apart. Friend, when you get saved, you and I are clean and set apart. And we're done. God does that for us. I can't do that for myself. You can't do it for yourself. But at the moment of salvation, God has positionally sanctified a believer. And Jude is writing this book to those who are sanctified by God the Father. Also, those who are preserved. You see that he, they're preserved uh, in Jesus Christ. 
I like that word too. It means I'm protected. I am protected from outside influences. Some of you girls are good at making preserves. I've got some raspberry preserves in my refrigerator that someone in our church gave me and I like them. And they have been, they have been packed and preserved, ready for enjoyment. Well, we're preserved, we're protected by the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last thing he refers to us as is called. If you're a child of God, you have been sanctified by God the Father. You have been preserved uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and I are called of God. You know, God is still calling people. One of the things I'm burdened about as we think about this uh, whole COVID crisis, I'm burdened about our teenagers. I'm thankful for the work that's being done through Brother Torres and Brother, Brother Perez and Brother Judah as they're working with our teenagers and even Brother Nelson tonight speaking about that. But I'm, I'm concerned. Young people, God is calling. God has a purpose for your life. Older folks, God has a purpose for your life. Uh, Middle-aged folks, God has a purpose for your life. There is something He wants you to do. He is calling. He is trying to get folks to surrender to His will. That does not necessarily mean you're going to be a full-time Christian service, but everybody has a job to do for God, and you want to realize that He's called you. There's a purpose for you. So he's writing to people who have been sanctified by the Father, preserved in the person of Jesus Christ, and have been called by his purposes. I think about that particular verse, and you probably know it well, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. It's challenging disappointing to be able to see young people and old people of light live their life without considering what God has called them to do. What is the called according to his purpose? What is it that God wanted to do? Someone said there's just two choices on the shelf. You live for God or you live for self. Let me tell you, get your ear open. Answer the call. God's trying to get a hold of you. He's trying to get a hold of me. There's something He wants me to do. There's something He wants you to do. Uh, be sensitive. I've said this oftentimes in recent days. I want to encourage you to consider to keep your head up looking to Jesus. But keep your heart soft. Sensitive to God is doing. What God wants you to do. There is things that God wants you to do. And I don't care if you're six years old or you're 90 years old. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I don't care what your background is. Something God wants you to do. It doesn't have to be paid. It doesn't have to be on a church staff. That may be your future. It doesn't have to be the mission field. But if everybody would do what God called them to do, I think that'd be a good thing. Well, that's who Job, uh, Jude is writing to. He is writing to people who have been sanctified by God the Father, who have been preserved in the person of Jesus Christ and have been called to do something with him. Here's the admonition. He says, that's who I wrote to. Verse number two, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. He said, I, I want God's mercy and his peace and his love be multiplied. Boy, you know, that would be a very good uh, trio for me to have in me and you to have in you. Are you a merciful person? Micah 6, 8 tells us, He has showed thee, O men, what is good and what the Lord doth require thee to do, do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Uh, are you a merciful person? Would your guys at work tell folks, oh, he's a merciful person? How about this? How about peace? Do you have the peace of God? 
You know, I, I was uh, talking to someone recently, and, and it just seems like wherever they're going, there's some drama going on. And it, it saddens me. They're not the exception, unfortunately. Many people are that way. And you know why? It's because they don't have a peace on the inside. I see in 1 Peter where, where God tells Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, tell the women that a meek and a quiet spirit is very valuable. Are you quiet on the inside? Does your husband have a quieted, hearted woman he's married to? And you say, well, yeah, I'll tell you what, that's what we're going to talk about. Let's talk about you, Spanky. <laughs> Let's talk about the husband. You know what the first word after he finishes that admonition to ladies is? Likewise. <laughs> In the same manner, you too, fella, do you have a quiet spirit? Is your wife married to a man that has a peaceful spirit? He says, mercy, peace be multiplied to you. And he reminds them, these are attributes, mercy, peace, and love. What a great, uh, what a great, a great thing that all of us need to have multiplied in our life. And you know, I like the fact he didn't, he didn't say added to you. Add mercy and peace and love. He said it might be multiplied in you. Whatever that means, I would say this, that you know who, can, who is the epitome of mercy, peace, and love? That's Jesus. You get a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're going to find that. That's going to be multiplied. It's not just going to, it's going to be oozing out of us. It's going to be what's on the inside comes out, especially under pressure and heat. May God help us to that. These are just two verses. Let's continue on. You can see the purpose. So he said who he's writing to, people that are sanctified. He's writing to people who are preserved in Jesus and have answered the call. Number two, and they're called to the purpose that God has for them. Number two, he says, you want the trio of mercy, peace, and love. Now, verse three, let's look at it real quick, can we please? The Bible says, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of a common salvation, he goes, I, 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 was, I was working hard to write you and talk to you about what we have in common through salvation. But, he says, it's needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered into the saints. This is interesting. He loves these people. He calls them beloved. And he says, hey, beloved, I couldn't wait. I was working hard. I was going to write you a letter and talk to you about what we have in common uh, regarding salvation. By the way, that's a great study. You want to study something? Go to Romans chapter 1 and look at all the things we share in common with other believers in Christ. I was speaking about that with Brother Mark Duff today on the radio and just and uh, Brother Brian Nutter, who's a pastor there in Crete. And we talked about the blessings of just having brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are a lot of those common things are there and you can find them in Romans chapter 1. But Jude said, I, I was working hard just to write about the things we have in common, but... I think it's needful for me to write to you that you earnestly contend for the faith, that you get ready to fight, that you get ready to stand, that you get ready to contend. Now, listen, some of us, we're not fighters, we're lovers, right? We, and some of us are fighters and not lovers. But whoever it is that you are, he said, I love just to, to, to write a fuzzy, wuzzy letter about how wonderful it is to be saved and all the blessings that we have in common because of Christ and because of salvation. And boy, I love those. I can think about those all day long. He said, but I'm going to have to talk to you about contending for the faith, fighting for 
the common faith. And by the way, that's referred to in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Uh, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, he said, uh, you need the shield of faith. But there's something important about faith. You've heard me say it. I'll say it again. I think faith is the most important thing about us. Our faith. We can't please God without faith. And faith is not just a fuzzy-wuzzy feeling. It is. Faith is trusting God enough to obey Him. You know why people don't submit to their mom and dad? They don't forgive someone that's hurt them. They don't ask forgiveness when they've been wrong. Because of faith. It takes faith to do all those things. You know why people don't give to the Lord? It's faith. You know why people uh, dress immodestly? There's a lack of faith. I think, I think you, you know why people won't say no to wrong music and, 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 and right to, to good music? It's faith. Hey, listen, the deeper you grow in your love for the Lord and your faith in God, the higher your ceiling and your commitment comes, and the, and the more the just shall live by his faith. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 4 reminds us of, he says, I'm going to ask you, Jude says, if you've been sanctified, Jude says, if you've been preserved in Jesus, You've been called and you've answered the call to live for God and His purposes. Well, I hope you have a lot of mercy, peace, and love. And I'd love to just talk about that wonderful thing, but I'm calling you to fight for the faith. I'm calling you to contend for the faith. And here's why. Because there's adversaries to the faith. He's going to tell us about a few of those. Let's look at that and we'll conclude briefly here. Verse number four. There are certain men crept in unawares, who are before of old ordained to this condemnation and to this condemnation and ungodly men. Here's who they are. They turn the grace or the grace, the goodness, the, the help of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he said, I want you to watch out for this, and I want you to watch Satan's, some of Satan's favorite tools are infiltration. He likes to just put in a little, a little yeast, a little poison, a little, a little uh, 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 something that would be damaging. He wants you to have Christianity on your terms. He wants you to, you, you can still live the Christian life and still listen to the music you want to listen to. You can go to wherever you want to go. You can dress however you want to dress. You can talk however you want to talk and you can still have a good relationship. You know, he, he's feeding you a line. And I'm telling you right here, I think uh, one of the things that Jude is saying is that you've got to contend for the faith, number one, uh, because of false teachers. False teachers that have come to play in really some of the cults and they deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, most of us would not be in that, in that realm right today. Most of you, if I said to you, is Jesus God, you'll say, oh, by all means, yes. Now, we oftentimes can't prove it from the Bible because we're concordance cripples. We don't know where to find that in the Bible and it's all a work that I need to work on and you need to work on as well. But he's talking about several things, several enemies of the gospel. Number one is going to be um, the cults that deny that Jesus is God and uh, deny the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jude says, listen, contend for the faith. Fight against false doctrine. I think of what uh, Paul said in Galatians. He said, you did run well. Who did hinder you? Who's hindering you? There's always a who. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 34, um, the Bible tells us, be not deceived. Don't kid yourself. Evil communications corrupt good manners. I want to I just look up here. Look up here real quickly. I want you to challenge you to be careful who you're listening to. We live in a world where there's a lot of noise out there. You can listen to someone 24 hours a day on YouTube, on, uh, on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, on podcast. They're out there all over the place. And not all of them are bad, but all of them need to be evaluated. Because what you hear, you cannot help but speak of the things that you've seen and heard and be careful, little ears, what you hear. I'm concerned for teenagers. I'm concerned you're, you're painting walls and, and uh, you're digging ditches and you're running around on that uh, forklift like, uh, or mowing that grass. And what you're listening to, some of it's just good. Some of it is dangerous. Some of it is, it's, it's a false teacher. It is ungodly men who are turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Some of you ladies, you've got caught up with a blog and you got caught up with this thing and this interview and this person. And the truth of the matter is they don't believe what the Bible teaches. It's slippery though. I mean, it's not easy. You can't really identify it real good, but that's who you're going to for all your information. Now, it doesn't come from the scriptures. We all have to be careful about this. Hey, listen, pastor needs to be careful about that. You need to be careful about that. But watch out for ungodly teachers that pull in and uh, start teaching wrong. Number two, watch out for tares. He says, number one, watch out for the cults. Watch out for just false prophets. But watch out for people that are infiltrated into the body of believers or into your life that are not true believers. Let's look at the next verse. Can we look at it? Verse number five, the Bible says, I will therefore uh, put you in remembrance, though ye once knew, and he's going to use an Old Testament example of Israel, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. He's going to use an illustration here of people. They all came out of Egypt together with Moses. They packed their bags the same time. They were spared that uh, terrible night of, of howling and crying over the firstborn dying. They saw all the plagues. And now they're in the group. They come out there. They come to the Red Sea. It opens up. They go through. But they get on the other side there. And the truth of the matter is, he said, the Lord... The Lord brought everybody out of Egypt here, but in this situation, they were infiltrated with people who did not believe. And God opened up the earth and swallowed them up. You know, I, I just think that these are enemies of the gospel. One thing I'm going to say, and I want you to listen carefully. During this time of the, of the pandemic, this live stream television and live stream ministry, which I just thank God for I thank God for people listening. I thank God for those who produce it and help us here in the studio. I thank God for the opportunity to preach to people and sometimes even more than we'd ever put into the auditorium of First Baptist Church of Hammond, even though it has 7,000 seats. But you know, I'm a little bit, uh, people are wondering, are people going to come back? You know who's going to come back? In time. Now, I don't think everybody should come back the first week or second week or third week. You've got to be careful and you do what God wants you to do. But when the dust settles in August July, you know, you know what? People who want to do what's right will be back. Amen. People that don't will have excuses. 
People who want to get back on that bus route and find something to do. And we can talk to a big smack right now. Oh, I love the Lord. I tell you, if I could just get back, I can't wait. I'm going to sing in that choir. I'm going to work on that bus route. I want to just go to Sunday school again. But don't get excited just to sit, soak, and sour. There's something we ought to do for the Lord. But I'm telling you, anytime you're serving the Lord, one of the most discouraging things are people who come out of Egypt with you. But you find out later that they have no interest in exercising faith in God. They're tares. Either they're not truly saved, and I don't want to be unkind in that way. I don't know anyone's heart. You know, John said this, some people, they go out from us because they never were one of us. And, and we wonder why they left. That's because they were never in. It's really frustrating to try to be a Christian when you're not a Christian. You don't last that that long. And faith, he said, they believe not, God dealt with them. Two enemies of the gospel, false teaching and tares. I don't know which one causes more casualties. But I'll tell you what causes me more discouragement. I can deal with the false teachers. They, they get on my nerves. But what really hurts me is when I see people that I serve with and now they, they, their lives are totally on the other side of the fence, on the other side of the world, on every place different than what God wants us to do. It's something that, that, that are enemies of the gospel tears. And then we find satanic enemies. I'll stop with that. But you'll read in the next verse, in verse number 6, uh, you'll talk about Satan, angels who left their first estate. And they have infiltrated the world through rebellion. And then you'll see the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. And these folks, which started with, they didn't want authority. They were unthankful, they didn't want authority, and then it went into all kinds of perverted lifestyles that caused great things. Sodom and Gomorrah is an example of that, and I think that really is the world system that we live in. Well, when you look at the book of Jude, let me review quickly and we'll close. Number one, it's written by Jude. He's writing to people who have been sanctified by their Father, God the Father. They've been preserved in the person of Jesus Christ. They have been called to a purpose. He says he greets them that, that mercy and peace and love would be multiplied in them. And boy, these are things I want in me and I hope you want them in you. And then he says, I'd like to write just about the blessings of being saved together and being the family of God. But unfortunately, I need to ask you to contend for the faith. You're going to have to fight for this thing because Satan has infiltrated the ranks of Christianity, our church, your family, my family, the world at large with four enemies. False teaching, people who say they're Christians but really aren't believers. They've infiltrated satanic influences of the devils and his angels and then the world system, the Sodom and Gomorrah mentality. You can read about it in verse number 7 and 8. You can read it later. Let's be careful. Let's contend for the faith.